Welcome to Mommy Diary, the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Kim. I'm a creative, lifestyle blogger, and mom of four. This podcast is all about honest stories of motherhood and real conversations with real mothers just like you. Unlike my Instagram account, not everything will be beautiful. I promise to be vulnerable and share stories of all the struggles and the incredible moments we all share as women and mothers. So do me a favor and screenshot this episode, add it to your IG stories, then tag me at Mommy Diary. I'd love to feature you on my Insta stories. We're all in this together, mamas. Let's dive into the show. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me again to Mommy Diary, the podcast. I'm very excited to have this guest on the show. She's also a mom of four. She's also a mom blogger like me, and she has an amazing YouTube channel where she shares her stories and information to support and encourage mothers, um, especially in the first five years of motherhood. Brittany Kelly is a friend of mine. I connected with her on Instagram recently, and I love following her. She just so has so much valuable insight to share, and you're going to learned soon after that she has a really cool labor and delivery story. So I welcome Brittany Kelly on the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Angela. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you because I can relate to your story of Mama Four. And Brittany also has a beautiful daughter named Dove. I love her name, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's so sweet. And how old is she now? She's eight weeks old. Eight weeks old. She's so tiny. And I I still, my daughter's only six months old, but I already miss that stage of her newborn life. So I know, Brittany, you're so busy with your kids. I really appreciate you spending your time with us. Can you please tell us about yourself, your background, and you know, before we begin and go into your mom blogger and YouTuber life, what you were doing before you became a blogger and what inspired you to begin sharing your stories? Okay, so before I became a blogger, I actually um, was in the middle of shifting careers from finance to medicine. So I actually went back to school to get my post back. So I was in a post back pre-medical program when I decided that I wanted to have kids in the middle of doing all this and getting ready for medical school. And once I became a mom, I just began, I just became so excited about being there for every milestone that surprisingly I turned into being a stay-at-home mother. And through that, I wanted to connect with other moms when I became pregnant with my second child. So that just turned me on to wanting to be a YouTuber and wanting to start a blog and wanting to talk to other mothers. And it just was a side thing just to try to connect with other people. And from there, I just really wanted to commit to that. So now I'm all the way in and just loving the community of, of moms and just being able to share with each other. That's awesome. Your story sounds similar to mine. I also had like a separate career. I was always planning to work outside of the home. 
And when I became a mom, by the time I was on my second child, and she came pretty fast after my first, it just, yeah, like I wanted to be there. I realized the important role we have as mothers. And it was just really hard to have a traditional like nine to five career where I'm out of the house 40 hours a week. So um, same thing for me too. I just wanted to connect with other moms and share my stories because I understood, I was beginning to understand like the beauty and this like really important role that mothers play in our children's lives, you know? Definitely. It was, it was really hard to just even imagine not being able to be there for so I mean, they grow up so quickly. Yeah. How old are your kids again? So Dove is eight weeks. And then my son Ori is two and a half. He'll be three next month. And then I have a five year old and a seven year old. So very close. Wow. You're like, you're in it. And these kids are at that age where they all need you in different ways through different milestones. Yes, definitely. And it's really, it's really tough to try to give everyone the attention that they need right now because Dove is a newborn. So she needs so much from me. She's exclusively breastfeeding and she takes that very seriously. She's very good at her job. So it's a lot, but it's, I I try to take moments to just really soak it in because it goes by so quickly. I feel as if my son Jackson, who's seven, I think, I feel like he was just nursing, you know, the other day. And now he's seven years old, he's losing teeth. So it goes by so fast. I can totally relate. You know, I feel like the more, and I don't know if you can agree with me, I'm pretty sure you're feeling similar feelings where when you have, by the time you're on your fourth kid, you really learn to be present more. Don't you agree? And you see this, like, I see my older kids and I'm like, when did you get so big? I still remember the day my first daughter, Elise, was born like yesterday and she's 15 years old. And it really makes me hold on to those every day, like even hour better, more fully, because now I see how fast they grow. So I'm really enjoying my fourth baby. How about you? I mean, you look like you're enjoying your fourth baby. Like, do you have any, any like new, you know, like things that you've learned about a fourth time motherhood, just having four kids in general. Do you have any like stories to share or any tips for moms who want four children? Oh, <laughs> I definitely agree with you. You you become more present. And I think that's the, the best tip that you can possibly give anyone is just to enjoy each moment. I know that sounds super cliche, but the reality is they really do grow so quickly. And I think before I was so focused on getting back to my schedule, getting back to normal, that I just missed so much in the newborn stage that this time I'm not trying to force it. Whenever I see an opportunity to get a little bit done or um, get back to a schedule, I try to take it, but I'm not trying to force it. I'm just going with the flow, going with her flow. And now I'm really noticing the tiniest changes in her because I'm not trying to just multitask all the time. You really can't do two things well at the same exact time. So it's nice to just sit and observe her sometimes and just see her grow. Now that she's doing the eight week um, mental leap, I see that she actually, I noticed a change that she actually went from not really seeing my face to today really seeing my face. And she just lit up 
to really see a better, to get a better look at the voice uh, of her mother and, and what that looked like. And she looked so delighted. And so you just notice those small things and those small moments really help balance out all of the stress and the overwhelming moments that come with being a mom of, of many children and feeling like you need to give yourself to everyone equally at the same time. Just accepting that you can't do that and you just have to take it moment by moment, child by child, is one of the best things that you can give to yourself as a mom and to your family. That is such great insight. And I can completely understand and agree with what you're saying. Just knowing, like just noticing the smaller details better than before. And I think part of that just comes from experience too. Like, right, with each kid, like my first kid, I struggled so hard. I thought, maybe I'm not cut out to be a mom. Like I never imagined having four children, even though I wanted at least three, because I come from a family of three kids. But when you're, you know, imagining something or visualizing something before you become a mom and actually doing it is are two different stories, right? <laughs> yes. So I was with my first kid, I struggled. And I, you know, after um, my second baby was born, I had postpartum depression. Because of all of these things, I thought, okay, maybe I'm not cut out to be a mom. Like there really were moments when I felt that. But now, today, I'm like, I'm so intuitive. Like you said, I'm able to really notice all the smallest details. You know, like, I know what you mean. Like when they just like my baby just looks into my soul, and I can almost like, know what she's thinking. Like I can communicate with her telepathically, it almost seems like and I never had this ability, like with my first and I think moms we all have that with our children. The difference is I'm a lot more present now and I'm a lot more intuitive now and I'm a lot more attached emotionally, I think, to my child and also like myself too. Don't you think there's a level of confidence that comes with time and experience? Absolutely. And you give yourself more grace to make mistakes, to not be perfect. You know, it's just it just becomes a pleasant experience um, as you, as, it's, as time goes on. And um, you really tend to understand why you make the decisions that you do around your child. And ultimately, you want them to be happy. You know, we think about all these other things um, leading up to that, you know, making sure that they have the best this, the best that, or are they doing this on time? Or are they getting that? Are they, are they being supported properly? And we just, we really get so overwhelmed sometimes with all of that. And sometimes just taking a break and breathing and being there is the most important thing to them. And that's the best thing you can give them is, is your attention, honestly. So yeah. And our kids don't remember if, you know, they got the latest toys or, yeah. you know, if they were fed or things like we, I end up looking at the big picture, like the overarching picture of their childhood. Like, where, did they have enough attention? Did they have enough cuddles? You know, right? It's like the, it's the big things that really matter because by the time your kids are older, like mine are teenagers, it's like the little details really don't matter. Like at what age did they grasp their pencil? At what age did they learn their alphabets and master their, you know, like their additions and subtractions? It really doesn't matter. It's like... It's their character and it's their like level of just finding joy in their everyday lives and just, you know, having fun with their friends, you know, like just like their laughter. Yes, it's the number one thing. I know in my YouTube channel, I, I talk a lot about teaching children to read when they're like 
before they're three. And I do get a lot of responses from parents who are kind of panicking if they haven't started doing the little things that I was doing with my kids beforehand. And I always try to encourage them to understand it's okay. Like I'm, I'm not doing this to race to three. I just think it's easier and less stressful to just do something five minutes a day over the course of three years versus sitting down for hours stressing when they're in kindergarten. So, but it's really not a race um, to, like you said, being able to grasp your pencil, learn all your ABCs. The bigger picture is being able to enjoy your life and that the children enjoy their lives and being with you is enjoyable. So that's the number one thing that I've learned is just, it's okay. Just be and everything will be fine. Yeah. And you know, nowadays with, you know, a lot of more, like more kids are spending time at home. So now our home is becoming like a school, a place of learning. Before there were two separate ways of looking, you know, the home was a place of rest and play and school was a place of learning. But I think nowadays your home is a place of learning as well. So I think what you're doing with your children, just reading five minutes a day is a great way to teach them how to learn in their everyday environment. Yes, I thought that was really important because sometimes schools can kind of suck the love of learning out of a child. So I wanted totally. to make sure that, yeah, you know, and I wanted to make sure I preserved that. So I wanted them to feel like, well, when we come home, we can still learn, but it doesn't have to look like it does everywhere else. You know, you can make it your own thing. You know, we can, it can be enjoyable. We can just take a couple minutes a day and we can grow with your interests. So I wanted them to have that and uh, just nurture that from a young age. So that's what I try to do. And we'll see if it works. They're still really young. <laughs> no, but I can definitely, like when I um, follow you, when I look through your photos, when I watch your YouTube channel, I can feel the joy that kind of just radiates from you. And I know that can't be, it's not like those things just can't, it's not like pretentious. It can't be faked. It's just joy that you genuinely have. And I see the joy in your children's eyes. So I think you're doing a fantastic job and it shows. So I'm just letting you know that from like an audience perspective, I can definitely see that you're just really enjoying this journey. And I think, you know, moms who have four children, you know, who have these, you know, our stories aren't always linear. It's not always perfect. I'm sure you can relate to that. But the fact that your joy radiates, it's very inspiring. So I, I, I love it when moms like yourself can come forth and share your stories. It's so valuable for the community of moms and even women who are not moms yet, you know, there's so much like negative kind of like connotation, negative, you know, perception of motherhood, as if like once you become a mom, like everything kind of ends, your career flops, you know, sometimes it can be a scary thing. So like, well, that's one of my goals as a mom to make motherhood feel more approachable, like more relatable. It's not like, you know, two separate entities, you can have both. It's certainly not easy, but it, it's doable. Won't you agree? Uh, I 100% agree. And I think that was one of the reasons why I even created my own little space on the internet was because I really needed that connection with moms who are being positive because I just felt like it was always, there were always complaints. And there, and there are a ton of things to complain about with being a mom. But sometimes when I turn, when I turn to my phone or to the internet, I'm really looking for some encouragement, support. I want to be reminded of the positivity that I'm doing a good job or, you know, that it is, re it is rewarding. So I just wanted to create a space where I was being uplifting and positive because 
you have to do this job anyway. Once you become a mom, there's no turning back. <laughs> you have yeah. to do it. So you might as yeah, well. There's no <laughs> no yeah, there's no refunds. No refunds. Yeah. So you have to, you got to find ta- joy in the task, in the small task, in the everything. Just finding joy there so you can be happy. Otherwise, you won't be because there are one million things to be upset about. <laughs> Yeah. And I think when, you know, you have a mom of four like yourself, your children are, you know, young, all all of them close in age. And the fact that you're discovering joy in your daily life and that you can really like be present with your eight week old infant and just notice how the changes is so beautiful. And I think like that's the kind of the message that I want more mothers to hear. In addition, I mean, certainly motherhood is hard and I totally get it. You know, when you know, sometimes people say I hear like memes, you know, motherhood is between like coffee and wine or, you know, things like that. And I totally understand where they come from, but there's so much more, I think, spiritual about motherhood, even the labor and delivery process. Um, I talk to a lot of moms who are just so fearful of the delivery process. And I was one of those moms. For me, delivery meant fear pain, something that is like supposed to be the lowest like moment of my life when I realized, no, it's like the highest, the greatest joy, the most like spiritual moment of my life. And I almost wish that I I knew that sooner, you know, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to invite you to the show because your labor and birth story is just so beautiful and it's just transformative empowering and it's such a positive birthing experience and I want to share more of that because there are those stories out there we just don't hear it enough yes absolutely and I'm right there with you all to get there it it took time it took some steps and it took re-educating myself you know that's a very important point yeah, like I don't want the listeners to feel like if you are listening out there and you're one of those people who think, oh, labor is scary, it's all fear, like don't think something's wrong because that's normal, right? We both felt yes. that too. That's what you see in the movies. You know, you see someone screaming right. and they're and right. crazy and it's chaos. Yeah. <laughs> we think that's what I'll have to prepare myself for for the next nine months. And it's scary and you just don't know what to do. And for me, it was extremely scary because I, mean, I haven't shared it yet, but my I had my mother pass in childbirth. So just even getting past that fear that something like that would happen to me was huge. So each birth, I learned um, something new about myself. I finally got it. You know, the third and fourth one, I went unmedicated and had natural births and I just, I, it clicked, you know, I did so much research about mindfulness and just getting present with my body and with my mind. And just, just like you said, like leaning into the spiritual aspect of birthing and how that was my ultimate experience as a human being. You know, I get to be this human Brittany one time, and this was my ultimate moment as as Brittany. <laughs> so I just really leaned into that and it just changed my entire experience. It was so, it was not painful this last time to me. And people, 
if I told that to myself <laughs> before I had children or even after having my first two, when I um, decided to get the epidural, I would have thought that that made zero sense. But I kept coming across a couple of moms who would say things like that. And I'm thinking there has to be some truth behind this. How do I get there? Right. You and I, I feel like we're like on the same wavelength because that's exactly what prompted me were these couple moms like they're not super outspoken about it I almost wish they were but I didn't know there were so many moms who decided to go unmedicated I think it's almost like stigma people think like that's stupid why would you feel the pain like why would are you sadistic like why would you put yourself (laughs) to the pain right like if you're able to get pain pain meds but a few moms who, and they were personal friends, they told me, you know what, it was really positive. I think you can do it, Angela, since, you know, you know how to meditate. You're all about like meditation and just being in the present, in the moment. And I'm so thankful for those few mom friends who suggested that because I really paid attention. And I thought, like you said, there must be something there. And plus, Brittany, like this is how women have been giving birth for thousands of years across cultures, right? Like my, in my Asian culture, like that's how women did it. And in a way, and they did it like five, six, seven times. Like they had yes. big families. <laughs> so I'm like, Absolutely. if my grand grandmother, my great grandmother can do this over and over again, there must be, you know, a way I, I'm sure I can do it too. Plus I was, like you said, I was curious about what, that process look like that natural holistic you know like untainted untouched way and I wanted to experience it for myself Um, but before we go into that I think from you I didn't know that your mother passed away during that process like that must have been very traumatic for you and then you must have done a lot of like emotional processing leading up to that point Yes, absolutely. Like, how did you prepare yourself? Yeah. Even making the decision to become a mom was a fearful decision, just not knowing if that would be my fate. Um, And that's also something that made me aware early on um, about the disparities in uh, healthcare for Black women in America. So I just, I was very fearful. Even getting to my natural birth experience, it was a journey towards making decisions that were not based in fear. So even just becoming a mom, I was afraid and I was like, you know what? I'm going to choose what I would choose if I were not afraid. And I chose to go ahead and get pregnant with my first baby and each baby after. I was very afraid each time I would get ready for labor as well. So with my first, I was induced. I tried to do every trick in the book to not have to be induced medically, but I was induced medically and I was so afraid and it wasn't a pleasant experience for me. It almost ended up in a C-section and my mother passed away right after her C-section within within 24 hours. Yeah. So it was so, so when I heard the word C-section while I was in labor, I, I, I don't know what came over me or the baby, but the next push, she came out. So it was just something that I feared. And after that, I started to do research on how I could induce myself. So all three of my children after that, 
I induced myself at home so that I wouldn't have that experience again. But each time I went into it knowing that there was a huge risk for myself and that I was going to do everything in my power, including induce myself at home and try to go unmedicated to create not only a pleasant experience for myself, but to save my own life, you know, so that was that was the main thing. So I'm going to ask you, you know, to share your story of like how you induced yourself at home. But for listeners out there, if you're unfamiliar, if you're medically induced, your chance of having a C-section goes up significantly. I think the number, and don't quote me, I might be wrong. I thought like three, I've heard like three times greater your chance of a C-section. I'm not sure if you know anything else, Brittany, about the statistic, but being medically induced is Right, not it can lead to C sections and it can lead to other complications as well. Once you're induced medically, then you kind of lose control over your birthing process. Then you have to kind of do what the doctor says. You have to be hooked up to different machines and they have to and fetal monitors and this and that, the contraction monitors. I didn't like that whole process and I'm sure you can go into it more in detail, but that's why you wanted to induce yourself, right? Because you wanted to avoid that. Absolutely. You lose all control. It's like a cascade, it's like a, a slippery slope of intervention. You know, you start off with the induction, then you get to the epidural, and then finally there you are at C-section. And even with the epidural, I felt that I lacked control. I couldn't feel my legs. And no one told me all of these things before <laughs> I delivered. So I couldn't feel my legs. I tried to get out the bed after I delivered the baby and just completely dropped on the floor. And it made me feel so vulnerable. I don't know if that's just the, you know, primitive nature of being a mammal, but there was something so disturbing to me that if anything happened, I had this brand new baby and I was completely helpless. I could not even walk. I couldn't even stand. I totally relate to that. Both times I felt so helpless. I couldn't walk. Um, it's, it was, you know, they put you in a wheelchair, even if you give birth naturally, just for, just to be safe. But 30 minutes after I gave birth, when I did naturally, I was able to walk. I felt like, I felt so amazing. But when I was induced, I couldn't feel my legs. I was so swollen that my feet started feeling numb. I couldn't mm -hmm. feel, I lost like feeling in my hands. It was just all around. Like you said, it felt very disturbing. It didn't feel good. And I knew that wasn't right, but I didn't know that there was a better alternative because no medical professional had told me that. So it was only, it wasn't until another mom came to me and shared her positive experience when I became more educated. Can you share your um, method of inducing yourself or, you know, inducing your labor at home and maybe move on to your birth story, especially of your fourth baby, which I find so interesting. Brittany actually had her baby in the car, naturally. <laughs> so can you share those stories with us? Yes. So, um, uh, so like I said, with my son, I got medically induced. So when I was pregnant with my daughter, I tried to find everything possible to induce my own labor at home. And first thing I asked myself was, what did people do before the healthcare system took over childbirthing? How did people induce their the moms? So um, I found this recipe called the midwife's brew. 
And it had um, the main ingredients. It was four, four ingredients. It was castor oil, li- uh, lemon verbena tea essential oil, apricot juice, and almond butter. And I actually didn't feel comfortable with the essential oil and the castor oil together. I just felt like that sounded really strong and I wouldn't, I didn't want to have super strong, crazy contractions. So I decided, you know what? I want to go and make a tea. I'll make a tea and I'll put everything else together and give this a shot. So I did it. And within 12 hours, I had a baby. So my second child. This is so important. I wish I knew this with my fourth baby because my water broke and I wasn't, my labor wasn't starting by itself. My water broke and I waited at home for so long because I didn't want Pitocin at all. And it just didn't start. And then the doctor just said, you need to come in. It's been like 18 hours since your water broke. So you need to come in. So I had some Pitocin, which I hated, but luckily I was able to um, avoid epidural, which is, you know, a story of its own. So that's really great. So it worked from your second baby, like within like 12 hours, Within 12 hours. Yeah. I took it at about wow. 11 and I had her at nine 30 in the morning. Yeah. Okay. And then did you try again with your third and your fourth baby? So with my third and my fourth, I did the exact same thing. And the funny thing is, I pretty much took it around the same time and almost the same amount of hours went by each time for me to deliver the baby. So with my third, I did the same thing. I I almost, he was close to being born in the car. I had him within 14 minutes of getting to the hospital because I had all these labor pain management techniques where I was being very mindful. So I really wasn't paying that much attention to how much time was going by. I was just being so into what was going on with my body. Unfortunately, I had a doula who was able to assist me both times and telling me, okay, you have to go. (laughs) You need to move. Uh, The baby's coming now. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you're right. I need to get to it. I know what you mean. Yeah, like when I was in labor, like naturally, I didn't really know how much time had passed because I was just so focused in that moment. Doesn't it almost feel like a very spiritual, like almost like you're connecting to like a higher power type of feeling? Like you feel like, yeah, it feels like something just time slips away and it's just about you and your body and your baby. Yes, you become an observer of your body instead of being, you know, like, so for instance, you know, you have all these involuntary things going on in your body all the time, your heart beating, you're not forcing that, you know, and so on and so forth. So with labor, you become this ultimate observer because it's very intense. So you have no other option but to pay attention and you can fall into it and get crazy about the pain. And that's when you get that whole, you know, chaotic movie scene birth experience. But when you remove yourself from that and you become fully present, you open your eyes, you really become present with the entire moment. You do get lost in how much time has passed. You get lost in how much pain is is supposedly happening to your body. And you just slip into this very spiritual, easy, just higher experience and it was so beautiful when I gave birth naturally the 
first time, I I felt so strong afterwards. I felt so powerful. I felt like I could do that again. My husband was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I could do that again. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know a crazy story? Like this is true story. The nurses were there to vouch for me. 30 minutes after I gave birth naturally without any meds. I mean, I of course, I was in the greatest pain, but the baby came out. I was like, I was on a high and I told the nurses, I want to do that again. Yeah. And they were laughing at me. They said, oh, it's the natural birthing high. Like you really feel like you can, do, you feel like a superwoman. I've mm-hmm. never felt so powerful and so empowered in my entire life as that moment. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, like when you're in that active labor, what do you do? Like how, what does a labor pain feel like to you? And how do you, you know, move through each contraction pains? One of the things that really um, helped me was one, breathing like you know, the contractions come in waves, right? So you just, you're kind of mm-hmm. just breathing with it. And I think that's the first step is just to breathe calmly. And then I do kind of this check of my body. I keep my eyes open. So I'm observing everything. And then I start to question myself about what on my body is tense, you know, just the whole thing, not just the stomach, but are my toes curled? Are my hands you know, open or closed, you know, are my eyes open or closed? Are my eyebrows frowning or are they relaxed? Am I smiling and feeling joy? So I just start to bring that entire awareness into the situation. And by the time I'm fully like to just relax, every, every part of my body is relaxed. The contraction is over. So it's just, I was so focused on just the joy and the relaxation that you aren't really feeling the pain. Every time you see the pain, the the contraction wave starting, if you just start that process, it removes a lot of that pain. I would also smell lavender essential oil, just getting that nice, just relaxing feeling and just observing my body at work and observe it, pushing the baby down. Because this last time I did not push the baby at all. Like there were, there was no pushing. The baby just released herself. It was crazy. And the whole entire time I'm telling my body, yes, release, open so I could see my baby. I was just saying those mantras to myself in my head. And that's exactly what happened. My body just released the baby. That's so beautiful. And, you know, I always say this to new mothers, you have to listen to your body and trust your body. And you're right. The biggest roadblock to trusting our body is fear. And fear is not created by us. It's created by society, by movies, stories that we hear. It's just created by outside voices, which I consider noise. Like we just have to cancel it out and really, you know, listen to positive stories and like really trust our body and know that our body knows exactly what to do. But the fact that the baby released herself without you pushing is just so beautiful to me. I wish I heard this story. I almost want to give birth one more time just to like see how that works. I definitely pushed, but that sounds like, you know, it sounds so beautiful. And like, I would love to try that or experience that. And if you're listening out there, I would love for you to experience that because it must be the most like beautiful moment, the most it joyous. Was, and, like it was really beautiful. And, you know, I think the huge difference was with my son, because I delivered him um, naturally unmedicated. 
I did push with him, but I was in the hospital. So they were telling me, okay, now that we've gotten you into a delivery room, you can push now. You can push. So I just hear all these instructions on what I need to do versus when I'm in the car, it's just me, you know, and I, my body knows what to do. So the only per- the only thing I was listening to was my body. So how did your fourth baby, like, can you take us through like what that looked like? I just find this so fascinating and I just can't wait to hear it. Yes. Yeah, so I decided to induce myself because I was trying to avoid uh, having any type of medical intervention. And she, but she felt like she was getting big. And I'm a really small person. I'm four nine, so I was fearful of not being able to push her out because I had a lot of trouble with my first because he was. They were about the same size, actually. So I was like, you know what? It's time for me to induce just to make sure I don't have any interference with my delivery. So I made my midwives brew that night after I tried to put the children to bed, made the midwives brew that night, drank it. And the contractions normally would just come on, but this time it was not happening. It took a really long time for me to feel any contractions. So I finally went to sleep. I woke up at 7am in the morning and I had a little bit of feeling, but it wasn't that intense. And let me tell you, I gave birth to the baby at 7.45. So I only had 45 minutes. (laughs) So you drank the tea and then by 7 o'clock, you didn't really feel anything. And then within 45 minutes, this happened? And within 45 minutes, I remember walking to the restroom and I passed my mother and she was like, oh, your brew didn't work this time. What are you going to do? My grandmother, I call my grandmother my mother. I'm like... Oh, I know. I don't know what it's going to do. And then slowly but surely, I started seeing a pattern with my contractions. And I was, I was like, you know what? Let me call the doula. And the doula told me, call the doctor. And the doctor was like, how far apart are your contractions? I was like, every three minutes. And she's like, is this your first baby? Because this is the first time I've delivered with this practice. And I said, no, it's my fourth. And she's like, oh, no, you need to get to the hospital now. And um, I lived. 18 minutes from the hospital. So at this time, my kids are starting to wake up. So I'm like, bye guys, gotta go. Were your contractions painful? Were they painful at this time? They, I would feel them start. But again, I would do that same mindfulness thing. So I was just like, okay, you know, I was so present. So feeling the joy that I just wasn't understanding how close I was to, to delivering this baby. So we got into the car um, my doula and my doctor were more concerned about the timing. So we got into the car. They said eight, my husband said it was 18 minutes away. He also didn't think that I could have been that close because I was just so calm, so relaxed. Yeah. And, but of course, that was the technique. <laughs> and that's what it is when you're relaxed. Yeah, your body's just doing the work by itself. Yes, because had I known I was that close, I would have just stayed at home and just called the paramedics to come pick me up. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're on the way. And then I keep asking him, okay, how many more minutes? He's like, 11. I was like, all right. Then he was driving and I was like, you know what, how many minutes? And he said, six. Uh, and I said, six. No, I don't have six contractions. Because they were at that point coming every minute. And I thought, I don't have six left. There's no way. I felt the pressure. And so I, I tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know what? I literally said, it's a wrap. 
you have to stop the car. And he's like, okay. I just know I, I started to feel the pressure and the head. So I told him it's time to stop driving. So he starts looking for a place to park. And when I realized that he's looking for a space to park, I'm like, no, Jeremy, my husband's name. You have to park. You have to stop right here at this red light. You have to stop, stop the car. And I didn't tell him that the head was out yet because I didn't want him to lose it. I just wanted him to like park. He oh, my God. Yeah. If that's like most husbands, they'll just start freaking out. Like, what? Yes. The head is out? That's so I just calmly told him to just stop at the red light. So he stopped. He put the hatches on, told everyone to go around. She's having the baby. Go around me. So he came around. And he asked, I said, push the seat back a little bit. So he pushed it back. I said, okay, that's enough. And that's when I like lift up my dress and he could see the head. He's like, the head is out. The head. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. And the doula oh is going to speak her on the phone. So she's like, get something to, pick, to catch the baby. And so he went to the back of the car. He found my son's winter coat. I don't even know why I was in there, but thank God that I didn't. Thank God it was in there. Yeah. Wow. You know, I have moments too where I don't clean out the car and there's something that I need there. I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't clean it out. (laughs) (laughs) This was a great example of that. Yeah. Wow. So So he runs uh back with the coat. And as soon as he got that, the baby just shot out of me. Like I literally, because the whole time where it was getting close between the 11 minute and six minute mark of getting to the hospital, I was trying to just focus on keeping the baby in instead of letting the baby out at this point, because the baby just was coming on, on its own. It was just, my body was just releasing. The more relaxed I became, the more my body just wanted to release the baby. And I was like, okay, body, that's enough. And it told me, it doesn't matter what you think, <laughs> Brittany, the baby is coming out. So it's just, and that's when my water broke. It broke at the same time that she was coming out. So she just, my husband said she flew out and had to just like catch her. So your, your husband caught her? My husband caught her. He delivered the baby. How amazing. It was beautiful. And I felt at that moment, it was just so, so much energy in that moment that was just so positive over us both. Just working as a team on something that big, that large, really, um, not as I bet it was so like, cool. like, like the ultimate, like intimate moment between, you know, your, it's almost like a soul level. Like you guys are just, you know, here in this moment, like, you know, when the baby comes out, it's such a beautiful moment. For me, it almost feels like, all the love energy in the universe just collects in that moment just comes out through your baby. You feel so much love, but I bet that was like so beautiful. Just you and your husband feeling that it makes me want to cry, like tear up. Just like how amazing is that? You know, it was so beautiful. That's a perfect description. It was all of that. It was so beautiful, so powerful, so much love, so much excitement. You know, it was just, it, and it didn't hurt. A lot of people asked me when, when the baby came out, did it hurt? I was like, it didn't hurt at all. It just, it felt like such like a powerful release. Like almost if you could see it, the energy just shot every which way out. And it was just so, so strong, so intense. It was, 
It was amazing. Yeah, it definitely felt like. And now your husband can tell everybody I caught the baby. That's like, you know, that's a lot of street cred for a dad for him to get that, right? (laughs) Like like dad cred. Like that's mad respect for him. The fact that he caught the baby in the car. It really is. He was so shocked. And when he got to the hospital, everyone asked, like, do you want to catch any more babies? He was like, no, that's enough of my life. (laughs) so you guys got to the so what happened like when the when the baby's in the car so you guys did you just hold her while the cord is still there yeah it is held her while the cord was still there and i like to do delayed cord camp clamping anyway so it was positive for us at that moment and the paramedics got there within three minutes and the police came as well as some and a volunteer group i don't know who those people were but I remember cars honking, congratulations, and stuff as, as they drove by. And I'm just there with the baby, and it's still attached to me. Placenta was not delivered because everyone asked, what, was our car destroyed? I'm like, actually, I delivered the placenta at the hospital. <laughs> Thank God. Oh, okay, but, um, so you're able to hold in the placenta. Like the placenta can stay in there. Oh, I, I never knew that. So before we move forward, what is delayed for those of, you know, for there are listeners, can you explain what delayed core clamping is? Yes. So that's when you just delay the core being clamped by anything. You allow the blood from the placenta to continue to pump into the baby and you, they get extra iron at that moment if you allow that to happen. Yeah. So I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to be rushed. I wanted to make sure that the umbilical cord stopped pulsating and that's when I allowed them to um, clamp it so even once they came I still kept the baby attached to the cord until it completely stopped pulsating and then I said okay we can cut it now you're an expert at this (laughs) you're like an expert at the entire process like this is why before we began the podcast I told Brittany nowadays as a mom of four I see the value of first-hand account, like first-hand stories from other mothers. And sometimes I trust it more than some of the doctors. Not to say that, you know, medical advice is not necessary. It definitely is. But there's just so much value. And I gained so much insight and wisdom by just listening to other moms' stories. So that's why, you know, even stories as this, like I learned something new. I never would have thought about the relaxation and even the fingers and the toes. I love that. I, I think that's such a great tip for getting through the contractions. So sorry to interrupt, but yeah. So what happened when you got to the hospital? So by then, um, and it actually took a long time for me to get to the hospital. I don't know why everyone was just talking about the car birth while I'm sitting in the car with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> everyone that was around they were so excited and it was early in the morning so the highlight of their day I mean I would be super psyched when I saw something like that I wouldn't even I'd be so excited just to be there just to witness that moment it was really it was really exciting slowly but surely it started to dawn on me that some of the police officers didn't have on masks I'm like um (laughs) I need to I don't don't know guys (laughs) I don't know if this is safe for me and the baby anymore I became aware that I am delivering any during a pandemic so um I wanted to just get out of that area because I was really surrounded at that point so they got me onto 
the uh, stretcher and put me into the ambulance and I, it was five, six minutes away. So um, I came into the hospital and I still hadn't delivered the placenta because at that time, because there was so much going on with everyone talking and me being becoming aware that there's a pandemic and people don't have a mask, that's when fear starts to kind of creep in and it delays your labor. So my placenta was taking a long time to come out. And my husband and I were really aware of this because during my third delivery, a piece of my placenta was left inside my body after um, delivering it. And I had to have immediate surgery after that. And I'm glad that I advocated for myself in that moment. So this time I was very aware that, okay, the placenta is not out yet. How did you know that a piece like was in your body the third time? How, when, how would a mom, how can a mom know that? Honestly, I really, truly, I'm so thankful that I delivered naturally because if I didn't, I would have been medicated and numb and I just wouldn't have felt the way that I felt internally. Oh, you felt it. Oh, okay. I I felt like it was not complete. Like something felt incomplete and wrong. And I kept saying that I don't feel right. Something feels incomplete. And I was being dismissed over and over. Again, I'm very, I was very educated on the disparities and the, the dismissal of women, especially black women in those situations. So I pushed back and told my doula that I had on hand to push for me to be um, seen. That's like so great that you were educated and you were aware and you're fully in control over your own body, which is another great reason why women should consider having a doula and just being like more aware and just trusting the process, trusting our bodies to tell us and just to know, right? Yes, it's so important to trust your body and to have support and have a group of people around you during that time who can help support your voice, you know, because you're so vulnerable. Yeah, because a doctor, you could say something to a doctor, like something doesn't feel right. But if the doctor is like, oh, no, you're fine. Everything looks good. Then you just trust the doctor. But I personally have friends, you know, who hired a very high rated doctor. And like the whole entire birth process went wrong. She had like, she got infection, like she had a crazy high-grade fever. She couldn't see her baby for days after. And this was all under the care of a very well-rated doctor. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we have to be our advocate. And if something feels wrong, if you're out there listening, I want you guys to remember this. If something feels wrong, you need to advocate for yourself and say, no, it doesn't feel right. Even if the medical professional that you're with doesn't believe you. Which is really sad to say, but sometimes they don't believe you. Yeah. Sometimes they don't believe you. And you have to remember that you know your body best. No one has been you longer than you. And you have to push for them to at least try their best to check and make sure that everything you're saying is incorrect before you just believe, oh, no, you're fine. It's okay. You know, that's, you know, that's that's not okay. So I, I... had to push for that. And so in this fourth time, I was very aware of the placenta not being out. And I was also aware that it was probably because I was transferred during labor and that sends your body into fight or flight. And once you get into that uh, mode, your body is going to stop 
labor. It's just a primitive reaction. So I was no longer contracting, no longer, I didn't feel the placenta trying to come out. When I arrived, I talked to my doctor and I was like, at this moment, I was like, give me the Pitocin shot to get the um, placenta out. So that's when she gave me the placenta and that's, we got the placenta out and everything was, and it was whole. I was like, make sure the whole thing is there. It can be deadly if, if it doesn't all come out. So you definitely oh, want to make that. sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you, it could be weeks later and you, and you know, you just fall out. It, it could be mm-hmm. days later. So it's really important that the entire thing is out and then you can be confident and relax and know that everything is fine. So once the placenta came out, like, you know, can you tell, I'm so, I'm so interested because I personally experienced this like really strong birthing hormones and just like this rush of energy and like love that I felt for days following my natural birth was like, unlike anything else I've experienced, did you experience something similar? And if so, can you share that, what that felt like for you? I did. I just felt like I was on a natural high, just a natural high with the baby. And just, I just felt so confident, so happy. It just was, it was the best experience. And so that's why even after my third, I knew that if I delivered again, that I wanted to go all natural again. And um, I don't think I'm having a fifth, but if I did, I would want to go all natural. I probably, I probably would stay home. Um, to be honest. Yeah, because relax. you've experienced this. Yeah, because I, I feel like you could totally do it if you were to have a fifth child because you actually gave birth on your own without any intervention and you did it well. Yes, it and was the best feeling without people yeah. telling you what to do. You just can experience it. You don't have to listen to anyone else. You just listen to yourself. And it is the most, I just felt so you always are yourself, right? But I felt the most like myself in that moment. Like I was so connected and grounded in who I was and it just felt so powerful and I just felt so connected to my baby and just, it just brought everything positive with it. It really did. It was so amazing. It's like, it's like the divine, it's like the goddess in you. You know, I think we're all mothers, we're all women, but especially when you become a mom, like we're all goddesses because we have like this divinity that I think no male can really understand through motherhood, pregnancy, labor, and the entire process. But you probably felt that like she's already there. You know, I know she's in me too, but sometimes we just forget because we just get so like caught up in the daily, you know, the daily hustle of life. But I bet you just like connected with that, that her, really that she, did. you know, yeah. I like really she's did. always I, in you. Yeah. I, yes. And I told my husband that I was like, you know, the energy that I feel around her now is the energy that I always felt. It's an energy that I felt throughout the entire pregnancy. I was like, it's the, it's the exact same. I was like, and it's funny because you look at your baby and you wonder how they're going to be and they and they grow and you realize that the same energy that my seven-year-old has now when I'm around him I had that there when I was pregnant with him it's the same and you just feel so much more you just feel so connected when you become a mom I think you become so much more aware of your world and just everything that you're capable of and the oneness of of everything 
Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of Dove. She's so sweet. Like, if I wish I could see her in person so I could hold her. She's so, so cute. Your children are all beautiful, but I just especially have this, like, like affection, like, this feeling towards Dove just because, like, she's just so sweet. I don't know. Like, even my fourth kid, I, I don't know. I, I know what you mean by the energy. Like, each child has their own special energy that they bring to the world. But you're right. The energy feels the same. Like, you almost know what the child feels like when you're pregnant, right? Yes, you feel it. You feel the same. I'm like, I'm trying to explain that to my husband. Of course, he's not going to understand because he's, he's never going to deliver a child himself. But right. yeah, I, yeah, it's different. But I, I can under I totally understand and relate to that feeling. Yes, it's so great. It's so amazing. I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to finally have you know, really positive birth experiences. The third was supposed to be uh, positive. It, it was for the most part, except for the little surgery thing at the end. But this time was really everything. And I just, it felt so amazing. And I definitely think it was in not having the fear and taking control of my own labor experience 100%. That really changed everything. Yeah. And I think looking back to my own natural labor process, that's exactly what I wanted. But I didn't go into labor naturally, which led to some intervention, led to Pitocin. And I was still so set on not having any epidural. I wanted to feel even the pain. If I had to feel the pain, I wanted to feel it because I really wanted to I wanted to feel what my body is capable of doing because I believed in her. I have faith in my body. But and even though there were some moments where I kind of doubted myself, if I were to have a fifth, not that I plan on having a fifth, I would do it again in a heartbeat. And I think I would try your brew because I think that's what I needed. That's what my body was missing. So I thought, oh, maybe my body just doesn't go into natural or labor naturally. But I think if I had something like that, if I had that knowledge, I would have done it. And I'm pretty certain that my body would have done it. So thank you so much for sharing that. Do you share that? Uh, do you share the recipe on your blog? I do. I actually have it on my YouTube channel. The interesting thing is I put it up on YouTube after it was successful because there weren't any videos at all at the time about the midwives brew. Now there are hundreds of women who okay. do it. It didn't exist really. Um, so now like everyone uses the recipe with the tea and I'm like, oh, that's my recipe. <laughs> so I'm glad I shared it with women because so many other women like myself are looking for other options. But at the time, it was a little, you know, controversial. You know, people were wondering if, if it's the safest thing to do, to do it on your own. My practice knew I was doing it. I told them um, when I did it. And my recent practice, they like to call it me encouraging my birth <laughs> as opposed to inducing because they didn't think of it as Pitocin is a synthetic hormone that's pushing it along. Right. Where this is actually your body is doing it. Your hormones are doing it. This just activates it, your body to do it. Right. Like so. if your body's not ready to do it, even if you drink that, activate it, it won't be activated. Your body won't go into labor naturally. So it for won't. me, I don't see any. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I think that when it comes to like birth and labor, there's so much fear around anything like natural and holistic and everything, you know, they feel, I don't know. I think we're kind of made to feel like anything medical is safe, but if you really do research, it's not always the safest option. You know, just like epidural leads to a lot of C-sections. You know, even having, you know, Pitocin can really like my first time I was induced with Pitocin, my body was just not ready to go into labor that it was really traumatic. Like I don't like that was one of the hardest, I think, labor experience. And I had all types of medical interventions. I'm just really glad it didn't lead to a C-section. So yeah, now, you know, at this point, I trust holistic natural methods over things that are so artificial and synthetic. And that's just my personal belief. So I think, you know, it's really good to question what we were previously taught to be normal or safe may not always be what's normal and safe. Right, exactly. And there's so many risks, like you said, those things. So it's something to consider if if you're concerned about risk for the brew, you know, you also need to consider the risk that you have with Pitocin or a cesarean um, and everything else that comes with intervention medically. So it's, there's no way around risk with labor. You just, you know, have to be aware that it does exist. Yeah. I mean, you could do everything right and there's always a risk, but I am an advocate of just trusting ourselves and our bodies because I think our bodies know best. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing that story. What an amazing story. I can't like, how awesome is that? <laughs> and I really hope your story gives, and I'm sure it will, other moms more courage just to be brave and to put aside the fears and just lean into the process, the, the waves, not contraction pains, but contraction waves, because mm-hmm. these waves have a purpose. Like it's trying to bring your baby down. And yeah, right. Your baby's been in there for 10 months and like the baby's ready to come out and your body knows exactly what to do. And I think you're like the ultimate, like, epitome of that of a mom who really knew how to work with her body versus working against it through fear and doubt so like thank Absolutely. you so much for sharing that story it's the transformative yeah. pain it's effective it's helping yeah. your baby it's a good thing so i I know there's going to be moms who want to hear more of your story after this podcast. I'm going to share the links and all of that in the show notes. And lastly, and this is a very important topic that I feel so passionate about now. And you're one of the first ones, you know, with the recent Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of things became more public. I think even the healthcare disparities of women, um, mothers and babies were out there, but it wasn't discussed enough. And you had sent me a message about that. And that's when I was really willing to like share more and I was more open to it. And I realized there's so many things that I don't understand that I want to learn and unlearn. So can you share with us what the disparities look like and you know your personal experience or your stories or what you've learned so that we can better understand and continue to share and advocate and just support all mothers. Yes, absolutely. So there is a crisis in the healthcare system for Black women and we have a very 
disturbing dispar- disparity when it comes to uh, maternal health care and healthcare overall, but maternal health care, we are four times more likely to die from preventable childbirth or pregnancy related complications. And even if you control for something like education, so if a a black woman who has a college degree um, is pregnant, she is five times. So even go, it goes up even greater control over stuff like that compared to her white counterpart. So a lot of it is um, due to systematic racism, of course, that has to do with, you know, proper care and also like access to proper care, but also implicit bias. And that's where my personal experiences come in with my mother who um, died after a C-section and uh, her she died within 24 hours and she was a healthy 24-year-old. Nothing was wrong with her. There was no reason that she should have passed away and her concerns um, about internal bleeding uh, were ignored and she passed away. And so I knew, I know firsthand what it's like to grow up, you know, being affected by uh, this disparity. I mean, you're affected firsthand. It's just tragic. It's just horrific. And it's just so, so heartbreaking that it happened then that it happened to you and that it's still happening today. It's, it's unthinkable. I think sometimes with the implicit bias, people, I don't know if they're aware. That's the thing. People aren't as aware sometimes when they are acting on racist stereotypes. And that is where the conversation gets difficult because they aren't understanding that by dismissing concerns because you think that maybe I don't understand because first I'm a woman and then also I'm Black about my own body, that you are potentially leaving a child motherless in the next moment because you don't, you aren't listening. And now you've affected everyone for their entire lives. What do you think some of the implicit bias entail? Like, what do they look like? The biases that people may have? So from my experience, when I, after I delivered my son, I just kept saying that something was wrong, like I said before, that it didn't feel complete. And I kept being dismissed over and over. It's like, no, you're fine. It's okay. No, it's just, it's just, you just gave birth naturally. It's a lot going on. You're doing fine. And I'm, I'm like, I, okay, maybe I am, you know, I never delivered naturally at that point. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe they're right. But then I just thought back to um, the knowledge that I had about the dismissal and I just didn't, and I had recently read an article about a mother um, who passed away from childbirth. And I was like, you know what? No, you need to advocate for yourself. So I turned to my doula and she was a white woman. And I remember in that moment, I know this sounds really ridiculous, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. true. It's true to my experience. But I, I looked at my husband, who's a black man. And I looked to my doula, who's a white woman. And I thought, if I have my husband advocate for me, he may come off being seen as angry, mm-hmm. hostile, aggressive, mm-hmm. and my care will be con- delayed even further. So in that moment, I decided I'm going to say say it to my doula because yeah. she's not going to be seen that way because right. she is not a black male. And it's unfortunate that I have to be mindful of those implicit bias um, problems, yeah. but 
in that moment, I, I had to think of my life first rather than, you know, principle. It shouldn't matter. I should be able to tell my husband first. No, right, right. now I need to live. And that's most important. But it is important now after having those experiences of being dismissed. And um, I remember the tennis player Serena Williams spoke to that as well for her experience of, um, of being ignored and people just pushing off her care even though she is, you know, obviously famous and so on and so forth, just these, um, these stereotypes about black women being strong in a way that maybe we don't experience pain or we aren't completely human. And that's sad, but it's the truth of where that's coming from, or maybe that we're not educated and that we don't know what we're talking about. All of those things happen. They happen being black and it happened being a woman. So when you pair those two together, you really, you get the disparity. And um, it's important that there is more training on implicit bias and people talking about the health outcomes of those things so that they can be addressed as well as how systematic racism affects healthcare overall. Yeah. I mean, that's just horrible, but I do believe that that's your experience is what happened because you know of course I'm I'm not a black woman I'm an Asian American woman but I too understand that racism and systematic racism clearly exists in this country and that it's a fact of life and there are you know stereotypes that you will face and that looks different than the stereotypes that I face and you know it's just an issue that I think has to be discussed and brought out to light because, you know, I would hear these stories, I would read upon, you know, I would come across an article that covers it, but it doesn't seem as real or relatable or even believable until we begin sharing these everyday encounters, like these very valid, you know, experiences that a mother, a friend experiences because it's true, it's out there, it's happening way too much. The only way it can be, stopped, resolved, and fixed is by advocating and by sharing, you know, these unfortunate but very real stories. Absolutely. And there there needs to be kind of a standard protocol as well for quality care improvement so that patient provider experiences and interactions are elevated. So that if someone says something is wrong, that the last thing you do is say you're fine. If a mom says something's wrong, then it should be, you know, yeah, like there should be no doubt. And, but you're right, you know, as much as people like to claim it is like, we're not colorblind, people see color. And you're right, like, it's kind of what we've been conditioned to think, and conditioned to view certain people just based on their skin color, or their education level, or what we think, you know, like, it's, it's really all false. It's all not true. These are fabricated stories that are just made up by some people in power and just the system, like just the institutions. So that's just so when I heard that story, it made me so upset. And just as a mother, and as a blogger, and as someone who um, is always fighting against social injustice and racism and just systematic racism and oppression, I think these stories have to be told over and over again, because it's it's really affecting lives. It's affecting moms and their children. And I could only begin to imagine like 
how hard it was for you, you know, losing your own mother at childbirth. And your grandmother must be such an amazing and beautiful person to have raised you to be such a strong and beautiful mom today. Thank you. She's so amazing. She really helped me with being fearless because she's seen me walk into pregnancy and, you know, cheerlead me through it, um, knowing that she lost a child to it already. And I for her know. And, and the grief that life. your mom must have felt. Like no other. I was just, yeah, I, mean, I was 24 when I gave birth and your mom was my age. That's just so heartbreaking. And no it's just heart. unthinkable. And it was just a, a routine C-section? It was just a routine C-section. It was just like she went in. My grandma said that she wrote down my name on a piece of paper. So I guess it was scheduled for I was C-section. Maybe I was breached or something. And mm. she just wrote my name down on a piece of paper for her. And then they went to the hospital, everybody. They said she asked after the C-section, she asked for um, a Pepsi, you know, and was laughing and she was fine. And then they left. And, you know, when they came back, it was um, an emergency and she was, uh, she died. And it was just so fast and just, it just turned a, a, a celebratory moment into um, this horrific, just a very overwhelming. I just can't even imagine what my grandparents went through bearing a child. It's like family trauma. Yeah. I mean, how they have to take care of a newborn. I'm overwhelmed right now taking care of a newborn. I can't imagine needing to also bury my daughter um, on top of and grieve the loss of my child. And you can't even grieve properly because now you have to take care of this newborn. I mean, just all I just can't. I mean. Wow, what a, you know, it's just a testament of like the strength um, of a mother. But I'm, I could only imagine the depth of like the grief that your grandmother experienced. Wow, you should really share your story um, to more people because I feel like it's still necessary. And in addition to like all your motherhood stories, because like it's really for me just to, hear that it you know that's like a, tra- a traumatic moment for any family to endure and then from that you know you ended up growing up to be this beautiful mom of four and you're now a blogger and a youtuber who's like sharing your own motherhood stories and like you're like an advocate you're a change you're, you're making changes oh, thank you yeah it definitely it definitely the experience definitely made me be so appreciative of being a mom, you know, because it's such a blessing. You just never know if you're going to be able to be a mom for whatever reason. And um, it definitely drove me toward just connecting deeper with my children in the way that I feel that uh, me and my mother were connected through the, throughout the pregnancy and unfortunately didn't get to continue, you know, that, that journey. It's a really special journey. It's such a special journey. And I have no doubt um, that your mom was with you in the delivery room. I'm like, I believe I'm like, some people may think I'm weird, but I totally believe in that, like the connection that we can have with our loved ones on the other side. And I'm sure your mom is still with you. And I don't know, like maybe, you know, part of your mom is with Dovey too. What do you think? Yeah. I think so. I think so. I feel I definitely feel her protection and, and just, I feel like she's there here with me for sure. 
Sure. Yeah, what a beautiful story. So um, as far as like the disparity, are there ways that we just, you know, moms can do to change this narrative or to support? What can we do to support all mothers, especially Black mothers who are continuing to face this disparity and this like racism? You know, it's like it shouldn't happen. Like, are there ways we can help Yes, and it's such a complicated issue because it's coming from so many different sides, right? The systematic racism as far as access to care, to definitely advocate for proper medical care for for all mothers, you know, that they have access. Like like you said, your friend has such a high rate of doctor, but everyone should have access to great doctors, right? Everyone should be able to you know, be able to have good care and not be turned away or dismissed because of their education or their skin color or their um, income level, that every mom deserves proper care. And that's a step one. And then, of course, um, training for implicit bias to definitely make sure that there's protocol in place that can override a provider's bias that they may not be aware of. You know, some people are aware of the fact that they have have racist thoughts. Others are not. And they are kind of leaning into certain stereotypes. And if protocol is there, then it's very hard to act on that and be so dismissive of a person because of the color of their skin. And that's really what we have to push for. We have to make sure that people are in place as far as um, our lawmakers that are caring about that and definitely asking questions about that so that we can know where they stand in terms of making sure that all mothers are protected and all babies too, because this also affects infant mortality rates as well. For Black children, they are like two or three times more likely to die within the first year. So it's just, it's so sad. And these things are preventable. And I think that's the key thing, because I think sometimes people believe there's some pathological race problem, but the reality is not the race that's the problem, it's the racism that's the problem. Right. I'm so thankful that you came on to share your story because it really made a lasting impact on me. And I hope it does that for other people as well. Well, Thank you for for having me and listening to it. I'm so glad. And I hope it does um, help other women and empower them to advocate for themselves, to to trust their bodies. They can do it. If you want to do it, you can do it. You know, if I did it, anybody can do it for sure. I agree. That's why I, if I can do it, you can do it. And now Brittany did it and her experience is even like, I, I love it. I wish I have an experience like that. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I'm going to have another baby. Like, are you planning to have another baby, Brittany? I'm not planning, but honestly, I didn't plan number four. <laughs> I thought I was done. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not yeah. going to speak too early. <laughs> well, One thing that seems evident is that you and I both love being a mom first and foremost. Yes, absolutely. It's the greatest. It is. And and we both enjoy the connection that we can have with other women, especially mothers. And we both love sharing our stories of motherhood. And, oh, I also wanted to ask you, like, I love that you want to help moms, like, especially during the first five years of motherhood. Is there a reason why you 
are, you know, so like you're an advocate of like the new motherhood, like the first stage? Yeah, I just feel like that during that time, you're just getting really grounded in your motherhood. You're learning so much about your baby as they grow, but so much about yourself, even with each child. Like yeah. I just learned so much about myself every single time. And I just feel as if that's the time where they're the most dependent on you. You just grow so much. So you have so many questions. You second guess yourself so much. And I'm an advocate for um, for moms trusting themselves and just trying to support them through that. Because I know you can kind of be so fearful and just, there's so much advice. There's so much. I know I have my own set of advice um, that I put on my blog and YouTube channel, but um, it's okay if you make a different decision, you know, and just supporting moms to listen to their inner voice, just to really be connected and, you know, just to trust yourself and look during those first five years. And I think if you can do those first five years before your child is school age, then you're set. Like you're really, you're set to go. You have a good foundation. I totally agree. And I love that you said this is not just an important time for our babies, but it's an important time for us mothers to grow. There's a lot of learning and unlearning to do. And our children are our greatest teachers. And it seems like you and I both figured out that secret because we love babies. <laughs> I have, I'm going to have baby fever until I die. Like I've accepted that reality. I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to love being a grandmother one day. And I'm just always going to love babies. I just have so much heart like so much love and I think my purpose is really in like motherhood and helping moms and loving loving on babies and just spreading joy and and I think you have a very similar purpose and I'm so glad we connected like this I'm so glad we did too I just I love your platform and just how you connect moms I just always felt that you know everything that you had to say just really was so relatable and I was like yes I feel the same way. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, me too. It's me too. And especially after this conversation, I feel even more connected to you. And I feel like we, I'm sure, had different experiences just coming to where we're at today. But I can really resonate with everything that you've said, everything you've learned, or just about your, you know, your version of motherhood, just really trusting yourself and not making fear-based decisions, because I'm all about that. Whenever I come across something, even like starting a blog or being vulnerable, I would ask myself, is this based on fear? Am I feeling this out of fear? If my answer is yes, then I go the other way. I never yes. let fear make me yeah and I think we totally and I do truly believe that that's the right way it's the way that is best for us and our children absolutely that's how you grow it's how you learn I was so I told my son yesterday um, about learning I was like well he said something was easy I said well you can't well you shouldn't do it because that means you're not learning if it's easy right. you're not learning <laughs> you already right. know you it. gotta do hard things too right I can't wait to like continue to follow you and hear more of your motherhood stories as baby dovey grows I can't wait to watch your family grow and thank you so much for spending your time with us today so I'm gonna list all your um, channels your website all the links in the show notes do you have any final words to say to the audience who I'm sure got so much out of today's episode, Brittany? Like, this is so good. I'm so, I'm so honored that you are here today. So yeah, any final thoughts? 
So my final thought is just to, you know, trust the process and just lean into your inner voice. Just trust the process and just know that you have company, you know, we're all here and we can support each other through our journey. And um, it's all special. Just enjoy each moment of it. It really, truly is amazing. It truly is. Thank you so much, Brittany, sending you and baby Duffy all my love. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your valuable insight and wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. This was such a pleasure. Seriously. That's such a good time. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You are my sunlight. Thanks so much for listening to Mommy Diary, the podcast. If you can relate to any of my stories, my hope is that you leave this episode feeling a little less alone and a lot more inspired. For more parenting and lifestyle stories, head over to my blog, mommy-diary.com or join me on Instagram at mommydiary. If you're loving this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and leave a five-star review. I love connecting with you, so send me a DM and let me know what you'd like to hear next. Talk to you next week.